Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the newest installment of the AJ Bruno Show. We are privileged to have a true legend on the show today. My guest, James Darren, is an incredibly accomplished singer and actor who has appeared in everything from the classic film The Guns of Navarone to T.J. Hooker and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, we're just waiting to get him on the line here, so he should be along shortly. Uh, in the meantime, I want to remind everyone, if you're not signed up for the email list yet, be sure to do that. Uh, go to tinyurl.com slash the AJ Bruno show. Um, you won't get spams, just a few emails a month letting you know about shows we have happening, whether they're ones that just occurred, um, ones that are coming up. Basically, the essential information, so you're kept up to date with that. We'll also have some exciting programs coming up soon. And uh, we are just going to wait here for a minute or so, and we should be able to get the show rolling. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today, whether it's his long, unsuccessful musical career, uh, numerous hit songs, whether that was Goodbye, Cruel World, hit number three, Royal Majesty, hit number six, a lot of other top hits. Um, he's been in a lot of movies and TV shows, some of which we've mentioned, and others of which we will mention later on in the show. Uh, so it shouldn't be long now till we get him on the air. Um, in the meantime, please be patient with me for just a few minutes. And nope, uh, we're going to start the show right now. Let's get him on the air. Hello, Mr. Darren. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Bruno. How are you? Great. Um, so let's uh, let's get right right into it. Uh, so let's start at the root of it all. Uh, how did you originally get your passion for music and acting, and, and what made you ultimately pursue both so aggressively? Well, I mean, I was studying acting in New York City, and um, I had photos taken, and it was all all fate, believe me. The uh, photographer's secretary introduced me to a woman named Joyce Selznick, and Joyce got me a contract with Columbia Pictures. And uh, I, I was just guided by some good people, you know. It wasn't that I was I was so ambitious. I wanted to be an actor, of course. But I, I didn't have, like, tremendous drive. But the people around me were real supportive, and and they made sure everything went right, you know. Great. So you're often described as having been something of a teen idol in the earlier part of your career. How did you feel yeah. about having this status at the time and now looking back later on? Well, I think it's great. I mean, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us did, whether it be Paul Anka, Bobby Rydell, or Dion and the Belmonts, I mean, Elvis, you know. I guess to be a teen idol is, is, is a nice compliment. Sure. So I like, I like some of your earlier music, but I really thought you were phenomenal when you became something of a crooner to the point where the quality was really right up there with Sinatra, in my view. Having said oh. that... Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think you, you can compete with them. But uh, having said that, what are some of the songs you've most enjoyed performing throughout your career? And did you have any specific influences in how you approach your music in different points? Well, you know something? When I first started recording, I did a song called Angel Face uh, with Doc Pomus and, Mar and uh, Morty Schumann, two wonderful writers. And they also produced uh, the record. And we did it at A&R Studios in New York. And that, that was, you know, it was a, a nice nice tune. They were 
very good writers. They they wrote a lot of Elvis's tunes. Uh, but then I later uh, I was I was always with Colpix Records in the beginning. Uh, this Columbia Pictures label, and um, I, I then was was uh, produced by Stu Phillips, who did Goodbye Crew World and Her Royal Majesty, which was Carol King and Jerry Goffin's tune and Conscience and a whole bunch of other other songs. But Stu and I did it, which are novelty tunes. I wasn't really insane about those songs, even though I've I've talked to people that I have great respect for that love them. You know, I mean, the, I met Bruce Spring, Springsteen one day and and he he said the first thing that came out of his mouth was goodbye for the world and um uh Clint Eastwood the same thing first thing goodbye for the world and it's it's not that I don't like the song it's just that I don't like that it's a novelty tune um but in 1961 I think it was Stu and I did an album called Love Among the Young which was really really be- a beautiful album Stu did a great job producing and arranging uh, the tunes. Uh, and that was really probably my favorite, my favorite album, and probably some of the favorite songs uh, to sing, for me anyway. Um, and they were, they were selected mostly by Stu. Uh, you know, I, had, I did have, I had an opinion, you know, whether I liked it or didn't like it. If I didn't like it, of course I didn't do it, because if you don't like something, you're not going to do it well. But then later when I uh, I signed with Warner Brothers and Dick Lasser was producing me, and he did some really nice cuts, I mean, all, and a whole bunch of tunes that were, you know, all became a chart record. And it was a real good tune, but still not really where I wanted to be. The one that I did with Stu Phillips earlier was where I really wanted to be. And then later, much later after I did Star Trek, DS9 uh, playing Vic Fontaine, I then recorded uh, the tunes that, uh, you know, that I really felt most comfortable with, um, uh, like Can Fly With Me or My Kind of Gal, those those tunes. Sure. Now, we're definitely going to get to Vic Fontaine in a little bit. Um, I want to touch real quick on uh, Her Royal Majesty. I know there was a bit of a controversy when that was released in the U.K., I don't see how the song is offensive. What did you think of how it was received there? You know, I never, I don't know, I didn't know that it was. I knew that Goodbye Crew World was banned in Italy <laughs> because they <laughs> thought they thought it was kind of uh, uh, like uh, promoting doing away with yourself, you know, which mm-hmm. is silly, of course. But I, I did not know about the uh, Royal Majesty being controversial no. in the UK. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I could, I could see that. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, no. I, I think it's so, fun actually. I heard the BBC had, had banned it or, or restricted it. So really, like that's that. funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, uh, for those who haven't toured the country and, and performed in, in Vegas countless times, can you tell us what is it like being so prolific and performing over the years in so many different places? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm really fortunate. You know, I think any of us who have stayed in the business this long, uh, of course, you have to be prepared. You know, you can't just uh, get up on stage and do it. You have to really work hard to make sure everything is 
as perfect as you can possibly get it. Um, but I, I, my first date in Vegas was with Joey Bishop at the Sands Hotel, which of course is you know the great Sands Hotel. And um, there's something very special about about working Vegas. I mean, I've been working at, at the South Point, which is just at the very beginning of the Strip. I've been there about nine or ten years now. And it's just a special, it has a, I guess, a magical kind of uh, aura to it, you know, Vegas, and uh, to work there. Even though at this point, it's like, I, I guess, kind of like working any any venue, any uh, any nice venue. Vegas has great sound, great lights, and, you know, they always have wonderful crews. So, uh, so you're 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 a bit ahead of the game, you know. You don't have to suffer through uh, like the early days when you'd work these these <laughs> small clubs around the country. Man, I tell you, it was great training because sometimes it would be murderous because the the, the sound would be terrible or the lights would be horrible. Uh, but then, uh, like I said, you know, you get very fortunate and stay in the business long enough, everything gets right. Sure, it's fantastic. So before we pivot over to, over to your acting career, I have to ask about your relationship with Old Blue Eyes and the King of Rock and Roll himself. So what was it like to be a personal friend of, of Elvis Presley and Frank, Frank Sinatra, and can you share any stories that still stand out to you? Well, I mean, the the thing with Elvis, uh, we used to play football down at Coldwater Canyon Park in Beverly Hills, and uh, then I'd visit him on the set uh once in a while, you know, he was at M- MGM making films, and he was just a great guy. I mean, I loved Elvis. He was he was very genuine, and uh, um, it just was, a, was a, he was one of one of the pals. You know, he just was there was no pretense with him. And for Frank Sinatra, uh, I mean, of course, he's my idol. I, I love Frank Sinatra. He's the, the greatest singer ever, as far as greatest pop singer for sure. And uh, he was just very kind to me also, you know. He and his his daughter, Nancy, and I are great friends. And her mom and I, and her mom is now 101 years old, believe it or not. Wow. And uh, she's amazing. She's so sharp and so aware of everything. Uh, and I visit her once in a while, but Nancy and I are great friends. Frank was a, he was just a wonderful guy. He's just you know, very again, a very genuine human being. Um, I loved, I loved the, the the magic that this guy threw off. I spent almost every day that they they shot Pal Joey. They shot it at Columbia Pictures, where I was in the contract, and uh, I I visited Frank just about every day on that set. So it was wow. uh, quite exciting and exciting to to be in his company. You know, in in Frank's company. I mean, he was a incredible star like Elvis of course um, but Frank uh, Frank you know from when I was a, a kid in Philly I mean I used to play uh, there was a song he recorded many times but his first recording of it uh, of the song How Little We Know was and probably is my favorite tune of all time of Frank Sinatra's even though he has many great tunes or great recordings but uh, so he was something that was with me from my childhood, and I, I just absolutely love Frank Sinatra. No, oh, couldn't ask for a better musical idol. So, um, switching over to 
more on the acting side here. Can you describe the experience of working in Hollywood during the latter part of the golden age? And what do you think of the dramatic ways it's changed uh, compared to modern cinema? You know, I mean, when I first got to to California, um, it was in June, and I I started my first film like three weeks after I landed, and it wasn't even planned. Sam Katzman, who was uh, noted for doing these six-day westerns, did a was doing a movie called Rumble on the Docks, and um, and he wanted me to play the lead. Why I'll, I'll never know because I hadn't done anything except for studying with Stella Adler for a couple of years in uh, in New York. But um, it was interesting because I never felt uh, I never felt kind of strange or out of place. It just felt all so natural to me to to act, you know. And uh, and the cast was wonderful, uh, very supportive. Uh, some of them veteran actors. So that made it, made it easier than than it would have been normally. Um, as for today, I, I don't know. Lots of things are done on for TV, and some of them are wonderful. Some I think are rushed. You know, they don't take the time to really to really do it the way it it might it it, it probably would be done better. Uh, you know, I see some European TV shows whether they be from the UK or from Copenhagen from Denmark rather and they're they're just done so beautifully they 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 take time when they when they when they light and when they when they direct lots of times uh in in the US for not not always but but lots of times in TV series you know you only have 9 days it used to be 7 days but 9 10 days to to put out an hour a show which is really about 50 minutes 5050 minutes but but uh, mm-hmm. it's not uh you know they don't have the time really you know they churn them out pretty quickly and i i always think that's that's kind of sad no it's definitely rushed in a lot of ways nowadays yeah so it I, is yeah. I, I mean it, it, it it's like i said if you see the european shows uh i don't know what it is but they're, they're, the, the texture of them is so much is 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 so much nicer to me anyway. Sure. So I know after you were in a movie like like Diamond Head that you weren't exactly enthusiastic about returning for another Gidget movie because of the lack of depth to the character compared to your ability as an actor. Did you ever enjoy being in the Gidget movies, or was it primarily just to see where it would lead to in terms of other acting opportunities? No, you know the first Gidget movie I thought was really wonderful. I loved. I thought Sandra Dee was the best of all the Gidgets, uh, and I thought that first script was the best of all the scripts. Paul Wencos, who directed all three, uh, is a very good. Was a very good director, uh, and uh, I, I thought I thought that movie was very much like the Rock Hudson Doris Day Pillow Talk movies. But then when they did Get Your Goes Hawaiian, it was all right. But then it became kind of trite. You know, what I mean. And especially Gidget Goes to Rome. I didn't want to do that for a lot, lots of reasons. Even though I, I have many fans, they'll, they'll probably hate me for saying it that I wasn't <laughs> crazy about that film. But they, they love it. They love Gidget Goes to Rome. And as long as they enjoy it, you know, that's all that really matters. As far as I was concerned, I, I was really didn't want to be pigeonholed uh, 
as Moondog. You mean three, three uh, uh, films, uh, t- t- two uh, sequels, uh, you know, to to the original Gidget was like a, for me a little too much. Even though I did have a good time doing them, I, like I said again, I, I had a wonderful cast with me, and uh, and Paul was, was a wonderful director, uh, and I, I had fun, you know. But uh, I mean. I don't regret having done them at all, uh, and I, the thing that's important to me is that the fans like them. Sure, sure. Did you think Diamond Head was the first time you were able to be really taken seriously for a, as a skilled actor? No, to be honest with you, the first time I think was when I did a film called "Let No Man Write My Epitaph" mm-hmm. with Shelley Winters and Burl Ives, Ricardo Montalban, Gene Seberg, Ella Fitzgerald. That was the first time I think, because it, it was it was like one of the best roles I ever I ever had, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the first time that, you know, I could look at my work and say, you know, I I I like most of it or some of it, because many mm-hmm. times I never watched dailies because I just couldn't I couldn't tolerate to to watch myself every day and then go. And film and do all that stuff. I just and then you find yourself doing things that you may not like as an actor, but they they work for the character, they work for the for the the the, the script, whatever. And and if you see it and you don't like it, then you then you're so self conscious about doing things. That's why I never watch dailies, you know. And and to be honest with you, the films I've done. I mean, I may have seen them. Maybe twice at the most. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't watch my films. Well, one of my my favorite classic films is actually The Guns of Navarone, and I just thought that was phenomenal. Uh, what was the experience like making that movie, and especially working with a cast full of some of the greatest actors? Well, I mean, the fact that you work with Gregory Peck and Niven and Tony Quinn and Stanley Baker, Anthony Quayle, two great, great English actors. Uh, Irene Pappas, uh, Gia Scala. I mean, everybody was really just just knockout a- actors. You know, they were just great actors, uh, and that of course makes your job a lot easier when you were. It's like playing tennis. If you play tennis with a bad a bad opponent, you know you're going to not play well. If you play with a good player, it's going to get, make you play your best game. So, uh, of course. For me, working with those wonderful actors, it just made me, uh, I guess, better than what I would have normally been. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, one of your TV roles, um, The Time Tunnel, really was probably your first first sci-fi role. How did that early experience influence your view of the science fiction genre moving forward? How did it, it, it do what? How did it influence your view of the science fiction genre moving forward? Well, uh, the thing is, I did not, you know, I, I had done films before that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was my first TV series. Uh, I, I did not want to do the, the, the science fiction thing, you know, not because I did not like science fiction. I, I do, but I just just didn't want to do it. I really didn't want to do a TV series. But Erwin Allen, who uh, produced and created that show and directed the pilot, Erwin was very convincing, and if you had known him, you you would know what I what I mean because he uh, you know if he wants you to do something man he can talk you into it 
and uh, and I I I loved Irwin. He was a great guy, and I think I think there are some episodes in the Time Tunnel that gave me the opportunity to to show a bit of skill, you know, as an actor. And uh, there was one episode called I think the the uh, the the day the sky fell in, I believe, about about, the, about Pearl Harbor, and and that was, uh, you know, there were some interesting scripts. Some I, I liked, some I didn't like, but uh, but th- that again was another fun show to do. I can't, I've not had a bad experience working on a film to date. I mean, the la- the latest film I did was a film called Lucky with Harry Dean Stanton and. Uh, uh, Ed Begley Jr. and a few other guys and myself had had cameos or small roles in the film, supporting roles, and that was interesting to work with Harry Dean Stanton because he's a he was a wonderful actor and and a great guy and uh, like I said I've been I've been fortunate I I can't say one I can't men- name one film where I had uh, which was a bad experience. Sure, well we were actually going to get to Lucky, but since we're on the subject now. Um, you had an acted in a lot of years before that movie. Uh, what made you decide to come back for that one in, in particular? Well, again, you know, I, I talked about fate earlier. I was uh, up on Mulholland Drive, which is a famous road here in, in L.A., uh, having my car loaded onto a flatbed for, to be taken to service. <laughs> it was a 58 Porsche Speedster. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't drive it except for Sundays when no one was around, like five in the morning for fear of being hit, you know, or in an accident. Wow. But anyway, uh, uh, the guy who who put me in Star Trek DS9, Ira Stephen Bear, uh, who was the exec producer of that show, uh, was driving by and spun around, came over and talked to me and, and asked me, uh, uh, you know, if I would be interested in doing doing a film and I, I really wasn't because I, I'm enjoying singing and I have a great time, uh, you know, working before a live audience. But anyway, about, about three days later, I mean, had he not seen me up there, he probably would not have thought of me, but about three days later, he called me. He said, you want to come down and meet the producers and the director, blah, blah, blah. And I did. And then I read the script. It was a wonderful script. And Ira wrote most of my, my, my characters, uh, uh, stuff you know and then to work with harry dean stanton was a real kick so i thought man yeah i'm going to do this that would be great but to be quite honest with you i mean i i I love acting but i really enjoy uh, singing performing before a live audience much 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 more i mean after all these years you know the thing is you have so much downtime on a film you know you do a scene then you sit around for a half hour or whatever more uh, while they light maybe an hour, maybe more, maybe an hour and a half. Right. And, and that's, and that's kind of boring, you know, so uh, to, to sing, you know, you're up there for an hour and a half, two hours or more and, uh, and enjoying every second of it. So I, I prefer that. Uh, definitely makes sense to me. So before we get into to Star Trek, uh, we have a, a good lead in for that. Uh, a series you've worked on the longest was TJ Hooker. Um, right. So before you ever involved in Star Trek, you worked with uh, William Shatner. How was it being a TV cop for years with uh, Captain Kirk? I loved it. You know, when I uh, a friend of mine was the exact producer on that show, Rick Husky, who's from my from my hometown of Philadelphia, and 
uh, we were having dinner one night, and my wife said to him, because uh, I had been on the road, I was on the road 40 weeks with Buddy Hackett, and uh, my wife said to Rick, gee, why don't you put Jimmy in a show and get him off the road? And uh, and that's how that's how T.J. Hooker happened. And, uh, you know, they asked me who I would like as my partner. And I said, well, you got to be kidding. I mean, of course, Heather Locklear. I mean, that's who any guy would like as his partner. So, so uh, if I had to be in a car all day, you know, it was it was with, with Heather, which was uh, great fun. She's a terrific person. Uh, but Bill and I had a had a great time. He's a, he's a good guy, and he he and I became more friendly uh, as the years uh, have gone on, you know. And uh, right. and I, I I really have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for Bill. He, he's he's okay. a good guy and a good friend. Great. So, you uh, you entered a whole new realm of fandom when you took on the role of Vic Fontaine in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Um, I thought it was a, a great character, and some of the episodes you were in really among the best, especially in those later seasons. Um, what did you most enjoy about the role, and what did it mean to you having this whole new dimension of, of Star Trek fans that you hadn't experienced before? You know, I didn't even realize about the about the fans until maybe I had done about six or seven episodes. And and when they were aired, and the people who would recognize me or recognize even my speaking voice, uh, I mean, I was at a at like a Best Buy or something one day, and, and this young gal, she couldn't have been more than like 20 years old, and I'm talking, she looked at me, she said, I know your voice. Did you play Vic Fontaine? I mean, it was like weird, <laughs> you know. I said, yeah, wow. it was great. I mean, the, the Trekkies are real dedicated fans. I mean, they are they are true fans, just like when you're when you're a teen idol. I mean, those fans will will do whatever. They'll you know they they'll they'll climb the highest mountain. They'll whatever it takes to to to, to get to 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 see the the person that they care about. I mean, I still have so many fans from uh, from my 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 teen years. You know, my early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, people when, when I work Vegas, it, sometimes it's astounding. I I, I see people. You know, there's some Asian people in the front row, and I ask them where they're from. They'll say Japan. I say, oh, you came into tour Vegas? No, we came in to see you from Japan. Yeah, wow. and, and from Australia. I mean, I'm not, you know, speaking out of school here. I'm not BSing you. They actually fly in, and they do that with any performer they they care about. But but that's that's pretty astounding, isn't it? fly in from Australia to see me perform or oh, from a... Japan. I mean, wow. Oh, those are super fans. Yeah, yeah they're super Definitely. fans. And and that's exactly what the what the Trekkies are. They're they're super fans. They are really dedicated fans. And uh sure. I'm 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 thrilled that I I did that that series and uh I feel very fortunate having done it and I thank Ira Ira Bear for, you know, he's the one that wanted me in that uh in that role of Vic Fontaine, uh, badly so, uh, and, and I and I thank him for that, and I and I, I was very comfortable playing that because you know it was very much like when I would go see Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy, uh, well Sammy was a good friend too, Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, but I but see them perform, and it, it, the 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 role of Vic Fontaine of Vic took me back to that era, and it was. If, uh, I, I I felt that he was a he was a 
a contraction of like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, you know. Uh, he had that kind of coolness that Dean has and the kind of frankness that Frank had, you know. So it was it was it was a pleasure to to do that role. Sure, no, it was uh, definitely a combination of all of them. So uh, for me, I really loved your duet with Avery Brooks. Do you have a particular moment from your time in the series that really stands out the most? Well, that's that's got to be, I think, the most. Huh. Because, number one, to have Cisco come up there and sing with you uh, was like, you know, I mean, only Ira could, like, be that out there to do to write something like that. Uh, I mean, it was like... I don't know how the hell they even thought of that. And Avery Brooks, who is an incredibly talented musician, aside from being a, a wonderful actor, uh, he's he's a great. He, he he plays great, great jazz piano, and sings well. And for me to do that with him was a real a real kick in the head. It was just uh, uh, just I, I I'd say one of the great moments of 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 that uh, my doing that that show that series. Uh, it's one of the highlights of the the series itself for me. Just a great memorable scene. Um, yeah. <clears throat> sure. So there's a, a documentary actually about DS9 coming out. Do you have anything you could share about your involvement in that? Well, I mean, I was just uh, interviewed by Ira, and I haven't seen a foot of the documentary yet. But I'm sure I will. You know, they've been working on it for a long time. Uh, I, I told Ira if they don't get it out soon, it'll be in the archives before it's released. So I mean, he <laughs> <laughs> better get it out quick. I mean, they've been working on it for like years, yeah. and uh, uh, hopefully, I'm sure it'll be great. You know, if, if Ira Bear is involved, which he is, of course, it's his baby, and uh, it, it'll be good. He has great taste and uh, great talent, and uh, I, I expect nothing but a real a real nice documentary. No, I'm looking forward to it myself. Um, so yeah, yeah few, I really am too. Yeah. yeah, I heard it's out in August. Um, I don't know if they're going to push it again, but that's what they're saying. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> <laughs> because, because they've been saying that for a while. And then what happens is Ira would say, you know, I saw this – edit or this cut and it, it's it's good but there's something something's not there something's wrong and they'll go in and they'll they'll play with it for a while again another month maybe and then you know watch it and okay we're going to release it next month and of course they'll watch it again and then find something else and you know you seek per- perfection sometimes too much you know right. uh, because you can go on forever and ever and ever to to try to find perfection and you know it, it just really never happens the only time the only time that i i think i saw that something that was pure perfection was uh, marlon brando's performance in on the waterfront it was incredibly perfect it was so so unreal i mean every moment everything he did it's it's to me the greatest performance ever of anyone. I mean, uh, and there are a lot of great performances. I don't want mean to, you know. I mean, there's so many. I mean, uh, Peter O'Toole and Lawrence of Arabia was 
was incredible, the William Holden and Bridge on the River Kwai, and you know, there's so many movies, but Brando, man, he just just blew me away. I couldn't believe how incredible he was. No, he's one of the greats too. Especially you mentioned Lawrence of Arabia. That's one of my all-time favorite films. So, well, mine too, and and Bridge yeah. on the River Kwai as well. I mean, that's, that's a great a film. One. Yeah, Definitely. a little bit of trivia for you: the sure. book, the original title was Bridge Over the River Kwai. Huh. That was the title of the book. I, my, my son, who's a, my son Christian, is a writer. I have three sons: Jimmy, Christian, and Anthony. Uh, Jimmy's a newscaster. Christian's a writer, and, and Anthony's a, a guitarist. Uh, but uh, Christian, who's a writer and an avid reader, I mean, he reads I don't know how many books a week, this guy. I mean, I got him on that, about Bridge Over wow. the River Kwai. So I thought it made me feel pretty good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's an interesting piece of trivia. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. So before we get to the uh, last couple of questions, I was curious, were you ever a, a Star Trek fan in general, or or what uh, what sort of series were you were you a fan of? Uh, no, I was not really a Star Trek fan. Um, I mean, I, I watched the original one that Leonard and uh, Leonard Nimoy and, and, and Shatner did, and uh, and I enjoyed the shows. I thought they were they were they were they were wonderful, but. I never really was a, a, a fan, like a, a dedicated fan. Um, TV shows that I watched were mostly comedy. I mean, I watched like Gleason or um, uh, like Lucy. I love Lucy. Uh, Sid Caesar, which is long, long. All of these are before your time. But uh, those were really great shows. Sid Caesar was... Of course, live. I mean, that wasn't even taped. That was that was done live before an, a live audience, and that's it. Good or bad, you, you know, that you, you were stuck with it. But he was so brilliant, and imaging Coca and and the, the cast there. Uh, uh, it was just uh, an amazing show. All those shows were, were great. I oh, they, you know, I, I know what I'd show. I liked. Uh, I liked. Um, oh my goodness, I'm I'm going a little brain dead here. Uh, the one, um, oh, Jesus, help me out here, the one with David Jansen. Um, oh, my, isn't that terrible? Let's see. Where, um, where, where, he's, where he's after the the, the, guy, the one-armed guy who who has killed his wife. Oh, because uh, uh, Harrison Ford yeah, did a movie. Yeah, after. well, um, We're both brain brain dead here this morning. Uh, We're the fugitive, right? The fugitive. Damn it. Yes, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that, that was a good show. I liked that show very much. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really done well. And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, James Garner, I mean, he he did did a a couple of uh, a good series. And and Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I., I liked that show. You know, no, they, they were kind of they. Yeah, Tom was. Uh, I mean, he was so charming. He's a, he's a friend, and he was so charming in that show. It was like kind of tongue in cheek. And uh, Larry Minetti, who's a buddy of mine, was in the show. I I enjoyed watching that show very much. And then, mm-hmm. of course, in Hawaii, what the heck's not to like? Oh, <laughs> you know, what I mean, you, I mean, you see that beautiful. 
that beautiful uh, island, and it's great. No, I can imagine. Um, <clears throat> so, actually, speaking of tropical locations, I, I know you were on the first Star Trek: The Cruise. Uh, I was actually on the second. I was pretty disappointed you weren't the musical guest that year. Um, so, oh. how was that experience for you? And uh, you know, how does that compare to all the other conventions you've done? Well, I mean, the cruise. You know, I thought, I thought I was going to be bombarded by by the fans, but they 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 are really they're really respectful. I mean, nobody. I mean, I felt a little a little a little lost at one point because <laughs> no, they were so they were so considerate. They never even come up to you on the cruise except to to pass you in the uh, you know in the corridor or something or in the restaurant and say hi. Uh, but I had a great time. I performed on that, and it's, it's a wonderful theater. That particular ship I was on, uh, the theater was just beautiful. The only drag was when the, the ship was rocking uh, a bit, and, man, you're like, you, you, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to keep still on, on, the, uh, <laughs> on, on the stage. It was like, like I had a few too many drinks. Um, but but it was it was great fun. I like doing, uh, I like I like doing the show. The fans are so they're so appreciative. I mean they make you feel so good uh, that uh, to perform for Star Trek fans, man, it's uh, I don't think anything beats it. Oh, that's great. So I, I know you'll be at, at Destination Star Trek in, in Germany coming up. Um, is there I'm anything not going to do that show. No? Unfortunately. Oh, you're not. No, no, I was I was going to, but I I, I had to pull out for personal reasons. But uh, I will be at the Star Trek convention in August, which is in Vegas. Hmm. That's August first, I believe, uh, through the fifth or something. And then after that, on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth, I'm at uh, uh, the the South Point in Vegas, doing my show. Yeah, but the Germany thing I really wanted to go to. I've never been to Germany, and I would I would love to go to Germany, and I hope I have the opportunity someday. Um, but uh, unfortunately, something got in the way, and uh, I, I I couldn't do that uh, that that, sure. uh, that date. You know. Yeah. Have you been to other foreign conventions, or mostly the the U.S. ones? I, I've done yeah, I've done quite a few. I mean, just about all over the country, Chicago, um, New York, uh, all over. I mean, I could, I could uh, L.A., of course, a whole bunch of conventions. They're, they're all great. Like I said, the fans are, are just wonderful. They, just, they, 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 they really feed your ego, to say the least, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, coming up, is there anything we should keep an eye out for you? You said you're doing some shows in Vegas. Will there be any touring beyond that, or maybe someone will drag you back to another acting role, anything like that? Well, I'm hoping to go in, and I started recording about six months ago and then and then stopped um, only because I, I wasn't getting what I wanted, you know. I sound like Ira Bear here. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted, I don't want it to be like everything else I did. I want it a little different. Uh, so uh, hopefully in the next next month or two, I'll go back into the studio as soon as I work on what I'm trying to achieve. You know, um, the the sound. If I don't mean my vocal sound, I mean the sound of the 
the, the, the entire product, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, nice. uh, you know, we all try to, we try to not, not necessarily stay contemporary because I believe pop music will always be contemporary, but you try to do things with a bit of, um, I don't know, a bit of newness, you know. Mm. Sure, no. Although the last album you did was all the songs from Star Trek, and while not being new, those were just so great that you know anything like that would be fantastic to put out. Also, yeah, I mean, and then I did a, I did an album called uh, Because of You. The first one was this one's from the heart, and then I, I did Because of You, which has also great tunes in it. You know, um, I, I mean, if you if you choose from all the great writers, um, it's hard to go wrong. It really is. I, I would just like to 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 do tunes that are more, a, a bit more contemporary, you know that that are, and, and it's hard to find, uh, that are as good as uh, as the ones from many many years ago, or decades ago. Uh, but sure. I, I I found them, and uh, the thing is to do them the way I can do them, and and do them properly and do them well, uh, then. Uh, you know, so I'll be satisfied. So it doesn't sound like I'm trying to do a tune that doesn't fit me. You know, because I right. that, that that's the worst thing in the world. No, no. But uh, no, I, I read an interview that you said you were not the biggest fan of rap, and I have to, I have to agree with that. It's it's hardly music, and I wish there was more music like yours nowadays. Yeah, you know, I I'm not a fan of rap, but but I do appreciate it. I really do. I mean, and if you think about when that started, you'd have to think of James Brown. And mm-hmm. James Brown with that that same riff, you know, whatever the riff was, and and that's 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 rap. You know, I mean, he was he was doing what was like the birth of 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 rap for me anyway. I mean, uh, and I mean, I, I'm a big James Brown fan, and um, but but I I really. Uh, I saw a movie, I saw Out of Compton, and I didn't think I was going to like it because it was all rap music, but I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the story of the of the people uh, involved in the music and what they had to go through to to even get this stuff started. And it makes you, if you haven't seen that film, you should see it, Out of Compton. It's It's a wonderful film. And it really makes you appreciate rap. It really does. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it's, it ain't something I can, I can like, totally relate to. I can relate to it in a sense, of course. We all can, because they're talking about you know, their problems or whatever may be bugging them or making them happy, like all, all mm. other songs tell us, but in a, mm. in a much different way. Uh, and it, it, like I said, you see the film, and you you really appreciate rap. Sure. Well, it uh, it was a great pleasure to speak with you, and um, thank you so much for for being with us. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure, and uh, you take care, and I hope to talk to you soon. You too. Me as well. Hey, Thanks. Listen, if you're ever at a at a at a, a convention that I'm at, make sure you let me know. Oh, I will. I will definitely do that. Okay. You take Let's care, man. Through. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was the great James Darren.
Um, we started a little bit late, but I hope it was worth the wait for you. Really a legend and a fantastic episode we had there. So we'll be having some new shows out soon. Um, so future guests, you have some tough competition. Anyway, this has been the AJ Bruno Show. Uh, until next time, I'll see you then, and I'm signing off. Thanks.